Welcome to Keepers of the Word. We are an esoteric study group of Freemasons whose purpose is of sharing knowledge of mystery schools and debunking misconceptions about Freemasonry. You're here with Mike and Ron. Disclaimer, any of the opinions expressed on Keepers of the Word do not reflect the opinions of other organizations or Masonic lodges. That is our disclaimer. So, Thanks for joining us today. Today we are going to discuss the topic um, of... uh, a writing by Manly P. Hall. Mm-hmm. Manly P. Hall was a Mason. Um, and this book that we are discussing today is Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire. Um, the first thing I want to point out is that it's only like 42 pages long, but it is essentially a tome. It, there is a lot of information to digest and take in. And so... I recently read it. Mike has read it before. Mike, um, Mike. I, I honestly, like, I think that book alone, again, it's only 43 minutes, uh, 43 minutes, 43 pages long. It's more than, a, it's just a lot of connecting the dots. It, there's a lot of things that Manly P. Hall brings into any one of his books. And he's also bringing in other mystery schools as well. And he's putting them all together to give you a whole view of it all. So when, any, when, when you read anything Manly P. Hall, you're not reading just on one thing. You're reading something where he actually did his homework and went and gathered all this information for us so that way we can make our own assumption. Exactly. And he gathered lots of information from lots of mystery schools and was a wealth of information as far as all of these ancient teachings and esoterics are concerned. Um, delving into Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire, um, it's basically broken down into three sections. Uh, the first part, one, is Fire, the Universal Deity. And essentially, he talks about the fact that um, the ancients, all of the ancients at some point in history were sun worshipers and fire worshipers and and connects that fire within man. So what's your in- impression of, of what he's talking about in that section? Well, it's, it's basically talking about the light and the initiation. The light being from within or looking for God, God being the light, and that is what he talks about through all the different mystery schools that he brings together in that book. Um, as he's talking about it, he's, he's pretty much saying that the light in different mystery schools mean, means the same, same thing. It's something that you're awakening within. It's the divine light. Exactly. Within. And the initiations per mystery school also correlated with a certain part of the organ of the body. And there's something I wanted to cover here. It's a brief, it's a brief, uh, extra of the book the temples of the ancients were patterned after the human form as a study of the ground plan of either the sanctuary at Karnak or of St. Peter's Church at Rome will prove if the places of initiations were copies from the body of a man the rituals which were given in the various chambers chambers and passageways symbolized certain processes taking in place in the human body Freemasonry is an excellent example of a doctrine imminent Intimidating, 
intimating, intim- okay, intimating, know, intimating <laughs> by means of pageants and dramas that the regeneration of the human soul is largely a physiological and biological problem. For the reason the craft is divided into two parts, speculative and operative masonry. In the lodge room, masonry is speculative, for the lodge is only a symbol of the human organism. Operative masonry is a series of mystic activities taking place within the physical and spiritual organisms of those who have assumed its obligations. And obligations meaning something that you're being initiated into and it's being asked of you. So you're taking on these obligations as you're moving forward into any whatever mystery school you're being a part of or or you're joining. Correct. And with that being specifically Freemasonry with what he's talking about there. Um, I have an excerpt where he says, the mystery schools of ancient Egypt taught that the blood was the vehicle of consciousness. The spirit of man traveled through the bloodstream and therefore was not actually located in any one part of the compound organism. It moved through the body with the rapidity of thought so that consciousness of self cognition of externals and sense perception could be localized in any part of the body by the exercise of the willpower. So there's a lot to decipher in his writings. Um, talking about the mystics have, you know, and tracing the, the sun worship back to Lemuria and the origin of the human race. Um, we're talking about sun being the ruler of the plant and animal kingdoms and, and as well as the human kingdoms and is and fire being the only thing that could subjugate metal. Um, fire itself is something that most of the ancient religions or mystery schools took very, very, uh, they, 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 they held it with high regard because it, it brought many things. It brought light. You were able to subjugate metal. You were able to create things with fire. And also it, it meant something within that you're awakening something within you that, that where you can create and you can do the same thing from a speculative aspect. So looking at these different ways uh, that Manly P. Hall showed what fire is and what what it meant, uh, it's different to each of the schools. Uh, that's where I, I feel we need to we need to d- dig deeper into that because each of the schools had something different to say about fire, but yet they all met at the same place. Correct. Yeah, and and he mentioned something about the divinity of fire being something that basically gave man divinity because it was, um, you know, within the, the, the stories of the, um, oh, who was it that brought fire down from, Prometheus. from the Prometheus brought fire from the gods to man. And at that point, then man could not be destroyed by the gods because he had fire, the divine spark, divine spark. of the gods. Right. Which leads me to this next excerpt. The names of nearly all the great gods and saviors have been associated with either the element of fire or the solar light, and, or its correlate, the mystics and spiritual light invisible. 
Jupiter, Apollo, Hermes, Mithras, Bacchus, Dionysus, Odin, Buddha, Krishna, uh, Zoroaster, uh, Vishnu, Shiva, Agni, Balder, Hiram, Abif, Moses, Samson, Jason, Vulcan, Uranus, Allah, Osiris, Ra, Bel, Baal, Serapis, and King Solomon are some of the numerous deities and supermen whose symbolic attributes are derived from the manifestations of the solar power and whose names indicate their relationships to light and fire. But men were thoughtless and unkind. They took the divine fire brought, them by, brought to them by Prometheus and used it to destroy one another. They burned the homes of their enemies, and with the aid of heat, they tempered steel, making swords and armor. They grew more selfish and more arrogant, defying the gods. But they could not be destroyed, for they possessed the sacred fire. For this, for this disobedience, Prometheus was chained uh, for a thousand years, just, uh, I guess, like Lucifer. Uh, but the Greek hero was placed upon the brow of Mount Caucasus, there to remain with a vulture gnawing at his liver until a human being should master the sacred fire and become perfect. Um, and I have a note on that. Occultism teaches that the presence of the liver, which distinguishes the animal from the plant, and that mystically certain small creatures have power of motion, but no liver are actually plants in spiritual consciousness. The liver is under the control of the planet Mars, which is the dynamo of this solar system, and which sends a red animating ray to all the evolving creatures within this solar scheme. Well, going back to to Prometheus, um, the master of fire, uh, was the prophecy was fulfilled by Hercules, who climbed Mount Caucasus and broke the fetters of Prometheus and liberated the friend of man who had been in torture for so many ages. Hercules represented the initiate, who, as his name implies, partakes of the glory of light. Prometheus is the vehicle of solar energy. So we're looking at this from the initiate from the beginning, right? You know, you're starting off into any mystery school and you're walking in and you know, there's things that are asked of you to, to see how you light that fire within. Right. And that's in the first degree of masonry, you're, 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 you know, what do you seek? You, you seek light, right? You're seeking light. And, um, this in other mystery schools was, was pretty much, done the same way, but through different practices. Um, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's universal if you think about it. Cause if you go back to even the ancient Mayans, they still, they, they worship fire as well. Any of the old ancient indigenous, uh, ancient cultures, ancient cultures had yeah. fire worship yeah. in them. And even in Christianity, if you look at if you look at uh, some of some ancient pictures of of Jesus or saints, you you see that solar orb behind their head. As you know, it's an homage to to the sun, you know, Sol Invictus. So this this uh, this fire in in this book, uh, bringing in Melchizedek. Where does Melchizedek fit fit into this? I'll let you drink your drink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where does Mc- Melchizedek, Melchizedek, fit Melchizedek. Into this? well, he's he was uh, 
he was Melchizedek. The word Melchizedek means high priest. And those that found Jesus, you know, and I'll let you get into that excerpt later, is uh, he was of the Melchizedek order, which the order of the high priest. So there's a lot there's a lot to go off of that, because if you go into the Bible, it gives you these little seeds on Melchizedek, on Jesus. And they're talking about this in the background. We know that there's more. Right. But. The truth is, the church doesn't want you to talk about this. They don't. They don't want. They don't want you to know the background behind all of these things. Well, which is why we are here. You know, we want to. We want to talk about that. But more so is what. What were. What was the order of Melchizedek? Where. Where did that come from? And I believe it came from the the Talmud, uh, the Babylonian Talmud. And during that time, those were the guys who were studying. Uh, you know, ancient the ancient mystery schools mm-hmm. and we're talking about sun worship and we're talking about you know fire and and how to light the spirit of you know the spirit within the fire within uh so if that correlates to jesus then technically christianity is a mystery school absolutely so i'll let you get into that part okay well let's see i don't know if i'm there yet but uh <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry we just drove That's there okay we did drive in. <laughs> All right. Why would Christianity not be a mystery school? Its founder was an initiate of the Essenian mysteries. The Essenes were disciples of the great Pythagoras and were also connected with the secret schools of India. The master Jesus was himself a hierophant, deeply versed in the ancient arcanum. St. John, by his writings, proves himself to be acquainted with the ritualism of the Egyptian cult. And it is contended that St. Matthew was the teacher of Basilidus, the immortal Egyptian sage, co-founder with Simon Magus of Gnosticism, the most elaborate system of Christian mysticism that has ever evolved from the main stem of St. Peter's Church. During its early history in Rome, Christianity was in constant contact with Mithraism, the fire philosophy of Persia, from which it borrowed no small part of its rituals and ceremonials. So, so to say that Christianity does not have any pagan roots or its origins in any mystery school, that's kind of, kind of dumb to say. You know, and, and it's ignorant. It's ignorant. It's definitely and, ignorant. You know, if you look at Jesus, whenever you, you bring up that subject and we're talking about Jesus, uh, we know that he was gone for a very long time from, I believe, the age of 12 till before 30, he was 23, 30 till like 30 or whatever. Right. And in that time, where was he? You know, there's there's books that say that he was, you know, uh, in the Himalayas. Uh, or in the in monk, he went to he the east. Yeah. He studied. Yeah, he studied there's, there's lots of yeah. lots of theories. So th- if if he brought that knowledge back with him, he brought back a different way of being and worship and understanding. Because if you look at the Hebrew religion versus Buddhism or versus Hinduism, they're they're very different. 
you know, you know, they carry some similarities, but they're, they're different. You know, one's more laid back than the other. I mean, the, the ancient yeah, I Hebrews think, were... I, I think unless you talk about, like, the Kabbalah, where then you're talking about more alignment with Hinduism and, and yeah. some of the other ancient... But if you're not talking about the Kabbalah, you're talking True. about the Torah, then, yeah. then that's a whole other ballpark, and now we're into something completely different. So bringing it back to, let's talk, let's go into Madame Blatbotsky and Isis Unveiled gives a number of formulae for the making of ever-burning lamps and states in a footnote that she herself saw one made by a disciple of the hermetic arts, which had burned steadily without fuel for six years previous to the publication of her book. Now there's this fire. The, these lamps, some of these lamps who have said to have burned for thousands of years. Yep, 1,500 years, 1,500 one of them that was supposedly had um, asbestos as part of its, its makeup. Fuel, right? Yeah. So they burned without oxygen, which is weird Correct. because we all know that fire needs oxygen. So there must have been something else that I guess we don't know of till today, today that, that works. But if they had it and the Egyptians had it, and they put it in tombs, and people opened the tombs, and they were still on hundreds or thousands of years later. That's that's kind of creepy. Think well, about it. I, it's, I think it's really ignorant of us to think that ancient cultures weren't as advanced, if not more advanced, than we are. I mean, um, you know, the... I don't remember if it was in here or something else I was recently reading, but they were talking about the Egyptian... Um, Egyptian priests that were essentially doctors and and scientists and and all of that all rolled into one and they had extensive knowledge of the human system human anatomy human anatomy the brain and the the spinal cord and and all of those all of the different parts of the human body they were very very well versed in in what the makeup was and how to deal with it Speaking of body parts, uh, the, mystic, the mystics looked upon the liver as the source of heat and power in the blood. Hence the, the significant that the, 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 hence that the spear of the centurion should pierce the liver of Christ and the vulture should be placed over the liver of Prometheus, Prometheus. to torment him throughout the ages. So the liver plays a big part when it comes to the whole fire thing uh, because it's the, the part that cleans the blood. It, it heats well, everything it, up. It, 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 it plays a role with the red corpuscles, so and I mean that's that's the part of part of us that keeps us alive, a good part of it with the red blood cells. So, so light in general, fire, sun worship, whatever you want to call it, we could trace that back to all indigenous tribes, religions, and I think that's what. Manly P. Hall was trying to show us that the origins go deeper than what we thought, especially in Christianity. They go further back into the ancient pagan religions that showed, you know, how we worshiped fire and why we worship fire. And if you think about it, it makes sense because if you woke up in the morning and you saw the sun rise and because the sun ri rises, you know, the plants grow or, or you know, thing, things happen when the sun rises for, for your benefit. Then, of course, you're going to worship the sun because it's doing things for you 
but at what point do you say, okay, let, let's separate let's separate science and 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 religion? Of course, back then they didn't know it, that. It, it, yeah, so, I don't think that I don't think it really was separated back then. It was it it science that like I said that the priests were scientists and doctors and and all things knowledge based. So. Yeah, it's a, it's it's interesting. Oh, this you... is this is the excerpt. It actually was, and so the second the second section section of this reading is man, the great symbol of mysteries, and so the excerpt that I was talking about, um, basically, let's see. Uh, Egypt during the 18th dynasty. That is. About 17 centuries before Christ, had a medical knowledge comparable to that of the 20th century. Professor Breasted is quoted as follows: "Quote, for instance, in it, uh, the Edwin Smith Papyrus, an early scientific document, the word brain appears for the first time recorded in human speech, and there is evidence that the Egyptians understood the localization of brain control of the muscles, a knowledge that has only been rediscovered within the last generation. So if we're correlating the brain with fire or the, the divine spark, right? Intelligence. Correct. Um, those who are within the divine spark understand that there's more to just waking up every day and putting on your pants, right? So with that, I think they understood that there's more to there's more to life than what was just being shown to them. There was things that were deeper and that needed to be looked for rather than, you know, being it's not like the initiate. It's not going to be handed to you. You have to earn it. Just like the Pythagoras, the, the, the Pythagorean cult, you know, they, they, in order for you to join, you had to be silent for about five years. You know, things like that, that made, that gave you this discipline to move forward, to prove yourself to those who already walked that path, especially like in masonry, you have to prove yourself to go through the first degree and understand that, you know, there's some obligate, there's an obligation for you and you have to walk a certain way and the light is given to you under those pretexts, under that, those circumstances. If you go outside of that light, then you're, you're in a dark place. You're, you're not going to be wel- welcomed. You know, it's, and I believe that in all the other mystery schools, that was looked at that way, but probably held to a higher, you got killed if you, oh, if you abso- stepped out. Absolutely. You know? a, lot of the, a lot of the mystery schools, from what I've been reading up on, uh, People didn't make it through their initiation sometimes. They died. They went out into the desert for 40 days or whatever. Whatever the initiation process was for a lot of the mystery schools resulted in death for, for neophytes. They didn't make it through. Light is not only sacred because it dispels the darkness in which lurks all the enemies of human life. It also sac- It's also sacred because it is the vehicle of life. It is evidence that the direct of sun, sunlight upon plant, animals, and human life. Light is also the vehicle of color, the color, coloring matter of all earthly things being imparted from the sun. It is the vehicle of heat, and according to the wisdom of antiquity, it carries the sperm of all things from the sun. So as I was saying earlier, uh, the sun came up, things grew, uh, you know, it, it, it fed things, and that 
is what we live off of. Went through a process, the 12 months, the seasons, the death of the sun, the resurrection of the sun. So the light ends up becoming more than just the, the spiritual flame. It becomes something that we need to take as we were living off of. This is something that we needed on a day-to-day basis. There's life. this God that comes our life up. force. Yeah, this God comes up in the 12th hour, and it shows his face for 12 hours and then goes away. And we worship that God because it gives us, it gives us all these things, right? All, all these things that, uh, that benefit humanity. Depending on where you were in the, on the earth, and that'll, be, that'll also depend on how you worshipped the sun or fire or, or the divine light. And, you know, according to Pythagoras, the body of God is composed of the sus- substance of light. Where light is, God is. Who worships light, worships God. Who serves light, serves God. Now, technically, that doesn't mean worshiping fire, the sun. Light, I mean, to me, it, it means all things that are good. Think that positive energy that is out there. That if you divine, wor- that divine, divine spark within us. The higher version of yourself, right? Yep. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Well, and, and on that, that subject, um, part of what, he, what um, Manly P. Hall talks about in this section, he's talking about religious, especially Christians, taking literal interpretations of the texts. And he says they would learn that the Old Testament, if, if, if they actually recognized, they would learn that the Old Testament was not to be considered literally, that concealed between its lines were certain secret teachings without which the true meaning of the Hebrew writings cannot be discovered. They would no longer laugh at the pagans for their plurality of gods, for they would discover that they themselves, if faithful followers of their scriptures, are polytheists. The word Elohim is used in the early chapters of Genesis and translated God is a masculine feminine plural word meaning a number of gods who are androgynous and not one supreme deity. They would realize that Adam was not a man, but a species, a race of creatures. They would also realize that the Garden of Eden was not located in Asia Minor. Well, I think there's there's a lot of rabbit holes we could go down on, on this alone. Um, just to cover, going back to Manly P. Hall, there's more than... than just this book there's there's about what a thousand different publications or more uh and some of them are are small reads short reads that are like 40 pages 50 pages 90 pages but when you get into when you get into this these books he's taking you down different corridors of the same subject or he's taking you down different versions of a subject and it's up to you to decipher what it really is. And it's important for you to read with an open mind because he's not just bringing one version of what religion or what uh, occult mystery school's opinions are. He's giving you the whole gamut of, of, it, of it. And it's, it's interesting how he, he plays it all in at one shot because... He's telling you all these things, but he's bringing in Christianity. He's bringing in 
Odinism. He's bringing in the Mithraism. Mithraism. He's bringing in the Vedas. I mean, we could go on and on. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. So here's a, here's a, a, a note, a quotation. The Masonic order is founded in the secret schools of the pagan antiquity, many of the symbols of which are preserved to this day in the various degrees of the Blue Lodge and the Scottish Rite. Concerning the origins of the name Freemason, which is itself a key to the doctrines of the order, Robert Hewitt Brown, 32nd degree, writes, Quote, long before the building of the King Solomon's Temple, Masons were known as the Sons of Light. Masonry was practiced by the ancients under the name of Lux, Light, or its equivalent in the various languages of antiquity. We are informed by several distinguished writers that it, the word Masonry, is a corruption of the Greek word Mesonreneo. Excuse me for pronouncing that wrong which signifies I am in the mist of heaven, alluding to the sun, which being in the mist of heaven is the great source of light. Others derive it directly from the ancient Egyptian Frey, the sun, and Mas, a child. Frey, Masen, children of the sun or sons of light. Hmm. So, going, let's, let's get into the Egyptian side of things. Right, they, they had uh, many, many different ways of looking at fire, um, especially when when you died, you know, the soul, the soul left and went back to the all. Um, that is the divine light. But the way they looked at it was, are you are you, are you, ready to cross over? Did did you do right here in order to get to? Did back you, to the orig- the origin of where you came from. Did you prepare yourself to reunite with the one? Yeah. And it's interesting because if we if we put those teachings into today and we're talking about this now is what did you do from the point that you were born to the time that you died in order to get into whatever version of heaven you're you're into, right? Or whatever version of the afterlife you're into? What are you doing to get in, to solidify? And now, in some orders, they don't care. It's like, I'll, I do me, you know. But in most of these Egyptians, like especially in Egyptian mystery school, you had to be a good person. You know, you had, you, had to, you, had to, you had to do right here in order to get back to the origins. True. Um, also, though, in the third section of of this writing, um, the sacred fire in the spine and brain, um, there's extensive talk about essentially the kundalini energy and the 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 path of of being able to ignite that divine spark within us and essentially ascend and recognize that we have all of that within us so as above so below yes we're doing good things here but part of that i think is is a matter of perfecting our our temple our physical body on this realm on this plane and preparing ourselves for 
that which is next. And I think that the, the, the third section of this definitely discusses ways to ascend. Ascend. Seek the light. Correct. You know, um, in seeking light, in, in masonry, as you're going through your degrees, you're seeking more knowledge. You're seeking more light. Light being knowledge. How that is attained, you, you have to study. You have to read. You have to uh, talk to those who have gone down that path. And I believe, you know, back in the day, things were passed down mouth to ear. And, you know, this knowledge was given to you if you were worthy. And what I mean by worthy is, you were, are you able to decipher this knowledge and put it to application within your life? If you don't and you can't, then you are not worthy. If you were too ignorant to understand what the light is or what your purpose is, then you did not you did not go forward. You were stuck in that area until you figured it out. And I believe in masonry, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I, I'm pretty sure many have their own opinions as you know in in our fraternity in our fraternity. Um, how do we seek light and move forward? You could go through your degrees and not know shit. It's a fact. But you, some could go through their degrees and learn a lot and continue to learn. I feel like I, I don't stop learning. I'm continuously learning as we move forward. And it is through the great people that you surround yourself with, which in essence gives you more light, makes you more knowledgeable, and makes you a better person, a better version of what you were yesterday. And a lot of people ask me, well, what is masonry about? To in short, it, it's it's about making yourself a better person than what you were yesterday. To to grow your light, to be as bright as possible, and I believe that's what was what was really talking about in Melchizedek and the mystery of fire, is what, where it came from and why it was, and I think that's the why it was. What are your opinions? Um, you know, I, he mentioned something about the, the, the sons of Cain and the sons of Abel and that very much about what you were just talking about, whether or not you had the ability to understand and think and use that or whether you are just another one of the sheep. And those were the, the differences between the sons of Cain and the sons of Abel. And I agree, you're absolutely... If you're able to know what you're searching for and know what path, at least know a path that you want to head towards and being within masonry, you are going to seek that light and you're going to do exactly what you said. You're going to try to make yourself a better person every single day. That's, that's what the divine spark, that's part of what the divine spark is all about. So Correct. And, you know, the, as, as you move along through your degrees they get more intense. There's more asked of you. You have more responsibilities and you're taking on a lot more within yourself because it's, that's what it's preparing you to do. And in all the ancient mystery schools, as you went through different initiations, those parts were, got more intense. And again, like you said, some people didn't make it. Some people died during their initiation. That was normal. It was like, Hey, well, you know, Pablo didn't make it. He didn't didn't get through the first degree because he didn't duck and uh, he got caught with a sword. And I don't know, you know, but unfortunately, you know, well, no, fortunately, we don't have that today because it is, you know, it's different. Um, Yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Do we have anything going on there that that we want to share? 
Anybody want to ask? Anybody want to ask some questions? I'm looking at you. Namoka. Well, let's, let's entertain Namoka. Really? Yeah. So. Uh, that's a, that's yeah. That's stupid. Next. Next question. So, mathematical. Well, what is your take on geom- geometria? Well, that's a good question. Geometry. Well, gematria is different different than geometry. Gematria is the ancient numerology of the Hebrew text. Basically, it's a numerical system that the the letters the letters of the alpha the Hebrew alphabet equate to numerical numbers. values to numbers, and different words add up to different numerical values, and those. And other words that have similar numerical values have similar meanings, have similar connotations. Mm. Um, Gematria is very, very interesting. I I did some studies on Gematria a few years ago, going down a rabbit hole when I was getting into uh, some some subject matter of the uh, the lost master's words. So uh, there's some. Did it did it connect dots for you? Um, It did. It absolutely did. It was. um, It it. Supposedly, the gematric value has a correlation from other to other phrases and words and terminologies, which absolutely now studying Manly P. Hall and reading some of his his um, descriptions of what the lost master's word refers to, it correlates exactly to what I what I found out when I was going down that rabbit hole. Interesting. Well, I'm sorry for my ignorance. I That's know, okay. I he was That's talking cool. about geometry, which I was going to lead into and say, well, it's the measurement of all things. You know, yeah. it's it's the the key to the universe. If if you if I may, do we have any more questions? Just keep going. Okay, Joe. <laughs> uh, our production wants us to keep going. I don't, I don't know. Uh, well. Uh, going forward, you know, we, we wanted to talk about Manly P. Hall. We wanted to talk about the this book, the Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire, because we feel that Manly P. Hall was a wealth of knowledge. He alone, at the age of 25, wrote this tome that is sitting before us right here. This is The Secret Teachings of All Ages. Um this book itself, I believe, is what the second, second print or second edition. Our our particular book that we have on the table here is a second edition, from what I understand. I, I've my research leads me to find out that the very first edition of this book was specific to those that helped to produce the book, and so it was a smaller print. This particular print, the second edition was still a small print smaller print but it was um it was presentations to lodges where manly p hall actually traveled throughout his journeys i don't know if it was just california possibly just california possibly other places as well but definitely he went and presented these these particular tomes the second edition to lodges and and masters of lodges and actually hand signed them so this is um this is definitely a piece of antiquity that we have 
here at our lodge because our charter goes back to 1898. So would have been around the time, I, I believe it was the early, like 1908 or something like that when he was, when he had, when this print. This one was 1928. Okay. Yeah. 1928. So the 20s, I mean. At the so, age of 25 to write this. Right. That's crazy. Absolutely. Today, if somebody said, oh, I'm writing this this book, uh, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, you'd laugh at him. There's no way. But being who he was, raised by Rosicrucians, being around the Rosicrucian order, he had a lot of information at a very young age. And so then it's believable. A mason. Yes, and then becomes an, a Mason, a 33rd degree. Um, he, he, he really accomplished a lot in his time. And if, if uh, you're able to check out... Every time somebody asks me, you know, which book should I read if I want to, if I want to, you know, brush up on, on the mystery schools, this is the go-to, yeah. the secret teachings of all ages. You want to get that book. You could get it online for like 14, 15 bucks. I recommend getting the bigger version because it has, it has all the, all of the drawings and it's a lot bigger. You could read the, the text a little bit better. Um, it's, it's a really good read. It's a hard read. Because there's just so much that he covers. He, he goes from one thing to the next. Uh, Reading Manly, to Manly P. Hall Egyptian is not history. easy to read. Like no, I it, said, this this small book that we're talking about today, 40 pages, and yet it it is so much to digest and, and break down the, the just the what's going on in the brain of Manly P. Hall when he's writing just has to be yeah. crazy. Yeah, definitely. Do we have any more any more questions, sir? A little something, little something, something. Okay. What the, where is the Melchizedek order today? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good answer? Probably not. Probably not. Cryptic degrees in gematria. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Didn't you go down the the York, right? York. Yeah. Um, um, no, there's there's cryptic in 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 York, yeah. Ah, uh, there there wasn't really. <clears throat> I don't remember any gematria being introduced into the cryptic cryptic degrees personally. Um, I I think there's a lot more. I think there's a lot more esoterics as far as magic is concerned within those degrees that's my personal opinion but um okay lucifer the light your thoughts well we could talk about lucifer you could you could look at him as prometheus as well um he was the the light bringer talked about that he he brought it down to to us and and you could look at that in many different ways Was, was he giving us knowledge um why did he go away from the light and share that with us. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lucifer itself, it's a, it's a whole other show. Um, I think that that topic can be looked at for at many different ways. It could be looked at in a positive or in a negative. Um, as we are taught from young age, from young age, we're looking, we look at it from a negative. If you read uh, Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma, he's looking at it from a different version of what 
Lucifer means, and he's talking about light as in knowledge, not the devil or, you know, he's talking about it in a different way. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a good, uh, it's a good topic. And I believe we'll cover that one of these, one of these shows and just get into what Lucifer or, you know, Satan, you know, however you want to, whatever you want to go, we could go down that rabbit hole some other time, but, um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw a quick answer out from my search of the Google machine, looking up Melchizedek. It, it appears that, uh, Melchizedek order refers to a lineage that was not under Aaron. So if if it has any connection today, it would probably be something that you would look up within the uh the uh within Judaism. Judaism? So okay. that would be RH negative? Yeah. It's supposedly not of this earth. It uh was it's it's in the Basque region, or it originated in the Basque region, and, the Celt- um, and Celtic, yeah, and Celtic, yeah, yeah. Uh, the rarest. There's, a, there's, it's one of the rarest. I believe they can give their blood to anybody, but they can only receive Rh negative. My wife yep. is Rh negative. That's why I, yeah, I know this. Uh, that's how you're an alien. You're weird. <laughs> you know? But you know, it's a special, it's a special thing. I, if you th- if you look at it, and unfortunately, medicine cannot just cannot understand it. Um, and, and it's interesting. So I, I, oh, you, you are that Dionysus morning star. Okay. Well, good for you. So I hope that answered you, your question and you know, you're satisfied. Okay. We good. Do we have, uh, any more questions? Oh, whoa, we fucking, somebody wanted to know if they should buy a boat. Well, if you have the money, fuck it. I hope that answered your question too. So let's move on. So do we have anything, any more, um, any more excerpts from Melchizedek uh, towards the end? Yeah, I know. I kind of dropped off. I, you I, dropped I, off? It's all I right. Read, I read the, uh, that, that last section. Um, was the sum the, of it. The sacred fire in the, in the spine and brain, it, it, it's a very... In a nutshell, it's a, it's pretty much talking about uh, about um, Kundalini and the fluids from the brain, and there's there's all kinds of correlations to descriptions in the Bible of the land of milk and honey and the being brought out of Egypt, and and supposedly those are all all stories that are talking about the process of awakening the electrical, you know, our, our system in the spinal cord and the brain. And he talks about the importance of, of the spinal cord and the brain. And, um, I've heard, I've heard correlations to that before. I've heard correlations about Santa Claus and the stories of the eight reindeer and all of those types of things also being hidden. And essentially I think that's what, what, Manly P. Hall is trying to talk about in that section is that this is this is information that was absolutely esoteric. This is hidden mysteries that ancients knew about and understood and encoded in order to keep away from the from someone who 
just was irresponsible. not was irresponsible that was ignorant right and so and it's funny speaking on that is you have a lot of people who are angry because these mystery schools don't share their knowledge with everyone well there's a reason for that because not everyone is privy to this you need to be worthy or show that you're worthy to have this knowledge in order to decipher it in a positive productive way and going back to Lon, when he's talking about magic and the practice of magic, you have to be mentally sane and understand what you're doing because if not, you go down these rabbit holes and you end up lost asking yourself stupid questions and stuck in this loop of stupidity and ignorance. Yeah. And that's why this knowledge is not for everyone. And even for those that it is for, sometimes it becomes a lifetime journey through this enlightenment process, this this spirituality trek that we that we get on. Because even I, I think back to almost 15 years ago when I joined the lodge and and started getting information about this mystery school that is Freemasonry. And really, it took me years and years to go on my path to be able to process a lot of the information and, and interpret it and understand it and, and be able to use it the way that it should be used, to chip away at the rough ashlar, to, to make myself a better person every single day. And I think that's, that's the whole purpose of just living to and it doesn't have to be a mystery school you don't have to be a mason to figure that part out is what are you doing to make yourself a better person who are you surrounding yourself with what are you reading and how are you applying that to make yourself a better person or the world around you a better place and i think that's important Silver, cold, and... Well, technically, the silver cord and the golden bowl are the... The skull is the golden bowl, and the, and the silver cord is the spinal cord. So... <laughs> so there we go. Do we have any Yeah, more which, questions? you know, it, it, it's really interesting that uh, our our... Our junior deacon, who has been working on senior deacon work, is 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 learning the the perambulation prayer for the third degree, which talks about the golden bowl and the silver cord, and and the the whole that whole verse that is is given to the candidate is is all about death. It is absolutely all about a reflection of what's happening at the end of your life and all of those things that are talked about within it are you know when you talk about the 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 strong men shall bow themselves you're talking about the arms your muscles they're you're you're now bowing yourself and the and and those that look out of the windows be be darkened you're losing your eyesight the golden bowl is broken the silver cord is loosed it's all references. It's all references to the human body, which is exactly what we're talking about in the second mm-hmm. section of this particular book. The temple, our temple, and at that point, death. So, Okay. Going back, I'm looking at another one. What is your take on time travel or jump rooms? Uh, 
astral projection, metatrans. You, well, in in Kundalini, awakening, awakening those chakras and taking yourself up. You know that that Kundalini meditation um, that can be technically looked at as a as a time travel because you're you're raising your consciousness. You're going from one point to another. Um, that could be looked at that way. Uh, relating that into a you know, jump room, I don't, I don't even know what the hell that is. Uh, that I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that, and and that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. <laughs> that's okay. But I saw another question on here that that I would, I wanted to. Do you believe Isaac Newton's alchemy is relevant to the practice of spiritual growth and awareness? How can it be applied? Well. Alchemy in general can be applied because it's transmutation and anything. I mean, it's the changing of, you know, metals to to gold, but within yourself, changing your mental alchemy to become a better person. That's how you apply it. Um, Understanding who you are first and then making the changes necessary to become the greater you. That's alchemy. And and. The application of that can can vary. Um, there's different ways of doing it. Um, more importantly, is being understanding yourself first. I think that's the more important part. Once you understand yourself, then you can change yourself to be a better version of yourself. That's the way I feel. Agree. Okay. Um, apparently. I don't know what ARCs are, but I looked up jump rooms. ARCs are used to travel to Mars and back nearly instantaneously. They apparently operate by quantum entanglement. Several whistleblowers have discussed ARC jump rooms and Mars bases. The latest whistleblowers are NASA astronauts. The CIA is highly involved with Mars and ARC jump rooms. Yeah, it's some conspiracy stuff that who knows maybe it thanks fucking sean (laughs) (laughs) is that where that came from yeah it's okay so um yeah i think uh what are we doing we're doing this you want you want alchemy we got it you got alchemic jungle coming this this saturday we got DJ Apex One, our own Omen, You Omi, and BC Rida, hosted by Chemist. So if you want to see some old school jungle, you want to hear some badass jungle, this is a spot to come to. Go to junglism.com, get your tickets, get get on the mailing list, and come party with us. We're going to have a good time. When is that? That's this Saturday, the 15th. Day after tomorrow. Yeah. So get your tickets now. Because we kind of need this shit to happen. And then next Saturday, the 22nd, we got something else going on over oh, yeah. here. We right? got St. John's Feast, which if you've never been to a St. John's Feast at L.A. Harbor Lodge, well, you better get your ass down here because it's a party. And even if you have, 
still get your ass down here because this year uh, be these guys different. these guys have stepped up the game for this year. We've got uh, we've got challenge coins and uh, our firing cannons that will be part of the uh, the swag that you'll get to take home. There's going to be some giveaways in between the uh, the seven yeah. toasts. Uh, some musical and visual stimulations for mm-hmm. your senses. It's going to be a damn good time. Yeah, there's other Masonic things going on that same day, but you really want to be here because we're cool. And <laughs> and you're going to have fun here. Trust me, it's a good time. Um, not taking away from everything else that's going on, but I could guarantee you a good time here. SanPedroMasons.org. You can get your tickets, 60 bucks. Uh, Saturday, this Saturday is our final day for pre-sales, so uh, no tickets will be sold at the door. Men 21 and older are welcome, all Masons, and those interested in Masonry as well, we welcome to our feast. Yeah, it's a, it's a feast, and you're probably going to get sauce, so you might want to Uber. 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 A, you know, it's something you might want to do. Have your wife drop have you your off, your girlfriend drop, drop you, you off. Up. Yep. And, you know, she's going to pick you up drunk and out of hand, maybe half naked. I don't know. Well, <laughs> maybe you. It's fun. It's it's it a will. good time. We have a damn good time. So time. I want you to guys come party with us, hang out, enjoy yourselves. And uh, that's basically it. Uh, the only other thing, next week we have two guests coming in. We got uh, Jeriel of the SoCal Research Lodge. And we have Dago Rodriguez of South Pasadena Lodge. He's the worshipful master of South Pass, and he's also one of the, the I guess, the, the creators of Masonicon, which is coming up in July. Next so month. that's going to be fun. We plan on going. It's going to be a good time, and we're going to talk about it next week. So we hope that you guys stay tuned. Tune in next week. And that's about it. This and is don't forget. I'm, don't forget. We have what else? We have our own. We have con. our own September eighth esoteric con. We are that's we're right. having. So I'm sorry. I'm thinking about my birthday. I apologize. <laughs> September seventh esoteric con. We we have a lot. We're we're getting a lot of vendors now. Yep. Again, we only have twenty spaces at tw- at seventy five bucks, which is a deal, and. We, our speakers are locked our in. Speakers for the day. are locked in. Speakers, we have Merrick Hamer, we have uh, Lon Milo Duquette, mm-hmm. we have Daniel Alexa, we have Siren of the Order of Lightning, and we just got our own James Bracero, who's going to talk about Enoch, and I am looking forward to just that in itself. Uh, Prior to that, we'll probably talk about it a little more, but we got that locked in, and you can't run now, James. It's going to happen. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. K-Zach We're about listener. making shit happen. K-Zach listener. So we look forward to it. I want to say thank you to all our viewers. Please subscribe, follow, share, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate it, and thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. We're out.